Well, hello boys and girls, sports fans and assorted waves and strays. It's Den here from Diginomica and today I have Brandon Toombs on the line. We're talking about all things connected with SAP success factors and what's happened most recently. And of course, it's hard for us to avoid the topic of COVID-19. So without further ado, enjoy. So, okay then, Brandon, you, you, obviously there's been a, ch a change of pace. What do you think was holding them up in terms of deliverables prior to this latest semi-annual release? What, what's your sense there, given what you've seen? Uh, so, you know, I'll, I'll preface all this by saying that this is just me reading the tea leaves. Uh, I don't really have um, any kind of insider information. So it's just some things that, you know, I think I've, uh, uh, that make a lot of sense. Um, you know, looking at um, one key area, which is both a positive and a negative, and that is the uh, Qualtrics acquisition. I think that um, that uh, is definitely something that uh, has, has diverted a lot of attention because, uh, as you know, Qualtrics is a completely different platform. And trying to uh, integrate that into what uh, the, the Success Factors platform uh, is, um, you know, presents some challenges. Uh, of course, it is a, you know, a, I think a net positive because uh, it really gives uh, uh, Success Factors a strategic imperative and a way to differentiate themselves in the marketplace, you know, uh, with the idea of human experience management, which really does seem like a natural evolution uh, in the area of, uh, of human resources. Um, but as I said, there are integration challenges that come along with that. Um, another thing, um, and, and, and this is something that I don't see uh, getting solved by a, a, you know, a quick regime change, and hopefully this, will, uh, this is something that they can address over time, is there, there are some, uh, also some challenges that come from just being part of the larger SAP organization. Um, you know, uh, one, one thing I would uh, note here um, that I'm going through on almost a daily basis right now is uh, this whole idea of the identity authentication service. I don't know. Have you, have you heard much about that? Uh, okay. No. Well, so the, what's going on there is um, SAP has started that uh, has created their own identity management service called uh, uh, IAS or identity authentication service. Um, basically, if you want to think of it as a brand new front door uh, that, that need to be installed in all SAP houses, um, this is something that's going, going to be rolled out over time. Um, as is often the case, uh, SAP is using um, their HR uh, uh, um, functionality as a little bit of a guinea pig for this. So basically, uh, what's happened is um, the people analytics that I know you've heard of and that we've been waiting and waiting for. Well, this people analytics, uh, what they ended up doing is saying, in order to use this, you now need to have IAS in order to use it. Um, so SAP came up with this. This was new. Uh, first I heard about it was at Success Connect. Maybe there was some other information that came out before that. But basically, you need to have this IAS before you can do people analytics. And I'm sorry for the long-winded explanation. I promise I'm getting somewhere uh, hopefully interesting. But basically, uh, what happens is when you uh, uh, SAP came out with this, said that you need to put this in uh, as a predecessor to using the new reporting functionality. And the problem is... 
no one had really ever thought through all of the implications of this. So uh, we're running into all sorts of problems um, with uh, trying to get this IAS up and running. Um, so uh, you've got things like your pre-day one uh, not working for onboarding, uh, something that we have to work through. There are uh, things where you log in for the first time and it doesn't let you, it just puts you on this splash page with no idea where you should go next. Um, there are uh, the the, the quote-unquote automated setup tool that you're supposed to be using um, does not uh, work. Um, very well at all. Uh, and then, you know, there are things like uh, we have this proxy uh, fu functionality within success factors where you can uh, basically uh, switch over and view the system as if you were someone else. And um, that has been broken at certain points during the setup process. So there's just... I don't want to go through each of those itemized things other than to let you know that those are a lot of different pain points. And, and what's frustrating is um, that it, it falls uh, to us as um, as outside consultants and as customers to, to hash through all of these things because, um, again, I, I and again, this is just me reading the tea leaves. I think that SAP just threw this in and said, hey, you're putting this in no matter what. And so it's up to you to figure out how to do it. And so uh, success factors then ends up having to scramble to try to put this, uh, this edict in from the mothership. And, um, you know, I, I, to, to be honest with you, it's that uh, it's had some challenges. Now, I do want to say uh, unequivocally, the like when I brought up things, uh, they are working really, really hard on this team, on the Success Factors team. They've put out copious videos on trying to solve this specific issue. So uh, this is kind of the, the macro micro side of this, where the macro issue is that SAP is throwing these these uh, mandates on success factors. Uh, and, and the micro side is uh, success factors doing everything they can to try to ease the transition. But because of the original sin of having this put in uh, long before it was really fully cooked and ready for prime time, that's that's the problem that we're all trying to deal with. So that's that's just an overall uh, challenge of being part of SAP. I, I, I don't know if I'm going sideways here or not, Brandon, but I don't. Did you see from, um, I think it was over the weekend, or maybe it might have even been yesterday security, or what have you? Yeah, security brief. Yeah. yeah. Is, it, is, it, is, is this tied to that? I don't think so. I think this is, um, I think the IAS is a, their ability, is SAP's attempt to, you know, provide some kind of next generation, uh, single sign on, two factor authentication support. So it's, Richer functionality that is um, different than the security breach uh, that was, or no, 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 hold on, it wasn't. It wasn't a security breach. They made it very clear it was not a security breach. It was just that there, they they realized that there are some gaps in their security, um, and and the question is, how did they become aware of those gaps? Uh, but I, I guess mm. uh, one thing that one thing that, that I had a friend that s uh, speculated was just maybe that, that they failed something on their audit, um, some, on some of their uh, security audits that they need, maybe like a SAS 70 audit or something like that, and that helped. And they needed to announce to the marketplace that there was going to need to be some adjustments on that. So I, I they may be related, um, but they you know they may or may not. So I, it's just. It, that that press release was uh, that came out yesterday was vague enough to where we're just not sure. You know, if I was a customer and maybe not yet communicated with, because I don't know who they've communicated with at all either. Um, but according to them, it's like you know, 
close to 10% of their 440,000 customers or claim customers. Mm -hmm. That's an awful lot of customers that they need to get sorted out, right? Yeah. Um, I'd be I'd be very concerned because at the moment security is right at the top of the list of things that that people are concerned about in this current situation and going forward. Of course. Um, so when they say breach, they don't really mean breach. No. Or do they? Mean, well, what do they mean? Did, I, I have no idea. Did they, were, did they? They? I think they made it, uh, went to great pains to say there wasn't a breach, uh, but that that they had, they were they, well. They said that then. Yeah, what they said was that they that what they did say was they were very specific in saying that there was no <clears throat> no customer data compromised. Okay. Um, now you're not going to get a security guy just believing that off the top anyway. You know, <laughs> nobody's going to believe that, right? right? Um, but anyway, as I say, I mean, from from my perspective, I mean, what you're describing there sounds as though it may be connected. I don't know. I, I, again, you know, I'll ask. The, the thing that I didn't hear you say, but I thought you might have mentioned, was the projects for getting success factors, ECC, off of Oracle and onto HANA. I wonder the extent to which that project basically slowed yeah. down functional rollout. Yeah, because I believe that that took nearly two years or something, and yes. they've only really just finished that. Is that right? Yes. So um, if you want to look back over the last two to three years, what were the two things that really slowed things down uh, from, a, from a success factor standpoint? One of which is unequivocally that that uh, transition off of Oracle. Um, the other, I believe, would be GDPR. GDPR, uh, in order to embed that into what el whatever else was going on, that took a lot of time as well. And and then a third thing is just trying to go through the hard uh, uh, hard process of taking these disparate systems that, that they have and trying to make them um, more homogenous. Uh, so uh, things like onboarding, where it's now been rewritten and slowly being rolled out into something that's more native as uh, success factors. Um, that's an that's the, probably the third area, but yeah, you're you're definitely spot on. Um, I I may not have brought that up just because uh, of uh, you know tra the trauma of having gone through the those delays <laughs> that might have kept it out of my mind. <laughs> so, based on what you've seen, and there have been changes in leadership as well, which you always have to sort of wait, uh, factor into this, especially when you've got a big product like that, right? Does, does it feel to you as though they're finally on the quote-unquote right road? Because, I mean, let's face it, Workday has been, been walking all over them the last few years, right? Right. right. No. Uh, to me, and, and of course, um, this is this new, new, new regime is only, I would say, you know, just a few months old. So I, you want to make sure that they have plenty of runway no matter what. Um, yeah. And so I, I want to withhold a little bit of judgment. But... The early returns are very positive. They have immediately um, made it clear that they're they're going to listen, and um, so hopefully that is uh, that's a positive sign. I, I don't want to make the only success criteria. Do they listen uh, when people are complaining to them? Um, that is, of course, that's that's part of the equation. That is not the full equa uh, equation. But you know, again, the initial uh, returns on. Uh, are they listening to you when you bring up things that are, hey, this is this is really not working well? Uh, the answer is definitely yes, and it's it's a complete change from um, you know what we've seen in the past. So that that's a positive, and I, and I hope that it's a it's a sign of, of better things to come. Let, let let's just be very very clear here, because I mean, 
my experience over donkey's years with that company is, um, yeah, they'll listen to you, but that doesn't mean, necessarily mean they'll do anything, right? Well, and I guess I should make it more clear when I say they're listening. It's not, uh, and, I, and I know where you're coming from because it's, it's really frustrating because you'll sit in some of those uh, meetings with them and they're going to write down everything. And then, you know, six months later, uh, nothing's changed. And you could even try to follow up and they probably have thrown that, that suggestion in the uh, uh, trash ban. Um, but I, what I'm actually seeing is they're taking feedback and they are uh, uh, transitioning it into concrete um, steps or they're doing something in order to actually address it. Uh, so uh, you're right. It's not just listening that I'm seeing. I'm seeing them actually trying to take steps based on what they're hearing. What's been the response from customers? I would imagine customers feel relieved, don't they? Uh, yeah, but let's, again, a very, uh, so far, I don't know that the customers have necessarily seen results from this. I, I do want to make it clear that, you know, one of my main complaints uh, when I was on last time uh, was the influence process that, that SAP SuccessFactors has set up. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And... So that process, uh, just uh, as a quick summary for, for your listeners, it is a way that you can, uh, basically it's a, it's a virtual uh, suggestion box, if you will. Uh, but it goes beyond that. You can put in suggestions, then they get upvoted. Uh, it's, it's very well organized. Uh, you, you get coached um, on, your, on your responses, and then those things come out. Um, the, but the, the track record of those things actually making it into the product are, are still not great. And um, you know, so fast forward to we have a new regime. Well, I wouldn't expect them to necessarily be able to turn that process around on a dime uh, to where this quarterly release, they all of a sudden they were able to uh, muster all of the resources necessary to put in the top five from each category. That's that's that it will uh, more telling will be December. But what I think needs to happen that doesn't I believe doesn't happen today is that I don't think product managers are really necessarily uh, held accountable for, hey, you have these uh, these different uh, enhancement requests. You have uh, 30 in your area. They all have met the prescribed 20 companies have voted in in they have passed the threshold. Um, how many of these are you getting into the product? I don't think there's that sort of accountability at the product manager level. It, and more, it's just like, this is just another input that we have. And there's no uh, necessarily, uh, uh, there's no accountability to say, are you meeting those uh, and, put, and incorporating those into your product? Or at least you're not seeing evidence of that yet, no? Uh, that's correct. That, that, okay. that's it's too soon though again they need to have a little bit of time in order to uh, I, we wouldn't see that until probably success connect uh, which you know will be virtual at this point and then uh, uh, and on roadmaps um, but for sure in December that's that's where the rubber meets the road for for this current regime from that respect okay. let's just switch gears for a little bit if we can please Brandon yeah. I mean, in common with um, with ourselves, I presume that you're in some sort of lockdown at the moment, uh -huh. yeah? Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what part of the world are you in? I know you're obviously in the U.S., but, I mean, that could be one of 50 states. So just, where, where are you? Which state are you in? I'm in Dallas. Dallas, Texas. Oh, you're in Texas? Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> uh, what, what, what's behind that oh, boy? <laughs> well... Don't you have one of those governors who's oh gosh who, who, who wants to open everything up and 
is kind of disregarding the science or something? Oh yeah. Well, um, uh, Texas and um, our our uh, love for science are kind of always been a little bit <laughs> bit at odds. So um, that's that's not really a surprise. I, I will say that you know overall the state is is kind of opening up uh, sooner than it should. But you know, county by county, like I, I live in Dallas County, and uh, our local. Uh, uh, leadership has done an excellent job. We're still pretty much in lockdown. Um, there are, you know, you can, there is a little bit of restaurants opening with 25% um, capacity, but I, as, anecdotally, I don't think that very many people are, are taking them up on that yet. So I, I think that for the most part, people, at least in the urban centers where the, the, um, the viruses hit it the, the the hardest have done a pretty good job of trying to uh, keep their distance and and we really have done a pretty good job of of keeping our numbers under control. Okay, but what has this meant for projects that you might be working on? Uh, that's a that's a good question. So um, honestly, it's better than I would have thought, uh, but my expectations were extremely low. Definitely have had two or three projects. Um, delayed uh, due to this, but there are a few that I've seen that are that are moving forward that were already in existence. Um, so you know there is some uh, sort of budget out there. Um, I, I'm probably in a better position than you know a big consulting firm because I don't have 30 people I need to keep busy. I need to keep myself busy. Um, so there you know there, there's a lot more flexibility that I have that. Uh, but I can definitely tell you from talking with consult you know different consulting companies that I'm working with, you know they're they're going through a lot of pain right now because there aren't a whole lot of you know net new projects. You're you're not going to take someone who started. Uh, you know, uh, doesn't have, didn't have budget and, and be able to walk them through, get a business case and get those projects uh, implemented right now. Uh, that's just not happening. And, and of course, um, it's going to be, uh, I would suspect that in the area of HR, which I've, which I'm working uh, in and I've been in for 20 years now, 20 plus years, um, that I suspect that the, uh, there will be a delay in, in HR uh, where the, you know, the, the existing budgets start to run out and then it's going to be longer for HR to come back online with budgets than maybe other areas of the business uh, because you know, our ROIs are a little bit more uh, nebulous, if you, as you'll say. Um, so I, I suspect it's, it's bad now, but it'll get worse. I spoke with... Um... I spoke recently with, a, uh, with leaders at a couple of the global SIs, mm-hmm. and essentially what they were saying was that any on-prem work, it's, it's, it's done. You know, if, if, if it wasn't due to go live within a few weeks, it's, it's paused because you, you know, there, there are big lumps of those things that you just can't do right. remotely, right? So yeah, th- that's clearly problematic. Um, I'm a little surprised with you saying what you are about HR. I mean, HR admin, I can... To a degree, I could understand why, you know, fresh projects might be on hold there. But given that, well, at least I anticipate fairly significant changes in what it means to work and go to work mm-hmm. and be at work, I would have thought that there was significant opportunity for for HR to take a, a more central role. Uh, I mean, it's been begging for a seat at the at the board table since forever. Right. Um, and, and now we've, we, we're in an environment where people have got to be very, very smart about what happens next. You know, how do you onboard people? How do you, you know, how do you, how do you make sure that they've got everything that they need and so on and so on and so on. There's a 101 different questions around that. 
And I presume that there would need to be fairly significant process changes for quite a significant number of companies. I mean, you know, the kind of business where you've got to go and you've got to go and pick potatoes or you've got to make machines or you've mm-hmm. got to do woodworking. You know, you know, those kind of businesses. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure there will be changes, but fundamentally they would remain the same in, in many areas. Right. Knowledge work. I don't know if we'll ever go back to work. Right. I don't. I honestly don't know. I mean, there are a whole slew of services type organisations where you could say it's quite easy to make the case for, if not working remotely, but definitely working differently. Yeah. Which in my mind implies different processes. Which in my mind means that you've got to reconfigure your systems. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's something that you, you're seeing any evidence of at the moment, or whether people are just hanging back and saying, "Well, hang on a second, we just got to figure this all out anyway." Well, I mean, it is. It's interesting that you you know you bring it up, and in that frame, it there's certainly are going to be a lot, particularly in the, in the knowledge work area. I mean, it's funny for me. Um, you know, I've been work from home for a, a couple of years now. Cloud based systems really do lend themselves for uh, to that type of. Uh, activity where you know you don't have to necessarily be on a client site uh, in order to get uh, get the work done, um, especially if you're looking at situations where most of the companies I work with now, uh, you're already going to have a multi-site location. So you know if you, if half the companies in uh, in San Francisco and then another half's in Omaha, then uh, right there you're already talking about there's no way that you're all sitting down in a room and making decisions. So uh, the difference between having two people, you know, two two groups and three groups uh, is not that uh, not that significant. Um, uh, it's just uh, really what I'm talking about, you know, and again, my area is really focused in on uh, SAP success factors. So, you know, the things that we take care of is the things like the employee life cycle. Well, um, I can tell you that recruiting uh, projects are are pretty much shut down because it's really hard to be laying off people and uh, say, hey, we're going to build out a new recruiting system or, you know, quite frankly, an onboarding system. Now, uh, taking things that are already in existence and adjusting them. Uh, yeah, there are some things that are out there. And I'm, and I'm definitely getting some uh, calls for production support assistance because maybe they've, uh, you know, they've, they've had to let some folks go, um, maybe more than they, they wish that they had to. Um, so there are things in those areas and then things like with Jam and, you know, uh, and certainly a lot more uh, time tracking around COVID. I've got, uh, I've got a customer that uh, put in a, a brand new uh, uh, time tracking mechanism just to deal with uh, the fact that half their plant is out on, on COVID right now. Um, and so we were able to respond to that relatively quickly. But a lot of those things that, uh, you know, if you've got a customer that's been trained and, and can sustain them themselves, they can do a lot of those things on their own if, uh, uh, you know, as long as they're just making some changes around the margins. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, I don't think any of us really know what the world of work is going to look like after this is over. I, I, you know, we may have some ideas, but... Yeah. Uh, I'm not convinced that anybody truly understands at this point in time what that's going to be like. I, I do suspect, because you know, I, I don't know, you, you may, may or may not agree with me, but um, I don't expect any real um, recovery, if you will, uh, much before the beginning of next year. I, I think we're done for 2020, to be honest. That's my view. Oh, that, and I'm yeah. trying to be... And I'm trying real hard to be optimistic about this because, trust me, I'm stir crazy. Same as <laughs> the rest of us, right? I, I I am in total agreement, and 
I think it could. I think the start of 2021 would be great if we were really there as far as being able to to manage this. I just don't think that we're until we get a vaccine rolled out. I just I think it's it we're going to be able to hopefully come up with you know pockets where we can let people do. Uh, resume semi-normal activities, but the things that we consider normal, uh, I think, have to wait until we have a vaccine rollout. Of course, as you said, nobody knows. Uh, your your speculation is as good as mine at this point, but I think the best thing for us to all do is to uh, anticipate that this is going to be um, something that will that's very uh, long-lasting and something that... that it's our Great Depression, basically. The things that the uh, people that went through the Great Depression that changed their lives forever, um, this is definitely going to change our life. You know, in terms of the the projects that are on pause at the moment, do you, do you think that they will come back again fairly quickly, or is it going to be a question of triaging among your 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 customers, what do you reckon? Uh, so again, I again I take kind of a pessimistic view over the medium term, uh, just in the area of HR. It um, as far as if there are projects that can be put on hold, you know, as if you're looking at it from a CFO standpoint, and you've got these uh, maybe a supply chain rethink that that has to happen based on uh, this whole coronavirus, um, and then you've got something else, and maybe in security, and then you've got an HR. Uh, you know, where, well, our, our HR systems, our talent systems are a little bit uh, long in the tooth. Um, those would be the things I would think that they would probably delay. Again, this is just the cynical me where, and, and a lot of it's just kind of a, almost an anti-HR bias to where they say, okay, well, we can, we can come up with a way to justify these other things, but we'll, we'll put the HR stuff on hold. Again, this is just, I'm just going, uh, having gone through, I guess, three or four downturns. I mean, I'm not going to say I've been at this as long as you have, um, but it always feels like that HR is one of the last groups to uh, really get restarted uh, when the economy uh, gets rolling. So, you know, it may just be an extra quarter or two before uh, we really see the the upticks happen again. As As I'm looking at the things that are being said, and there's plenty of things being said, as I'm sure you know, about being able to return to work in some shape or form. The one thing that seems to be missing from that conversation is is starting with the point, well, what, are, what do our people actually want to do, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there, there are debates, shall we open up, shall not we open up? How are we going to open up? Blah, 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 blah. You know, what are we going to do with the people? Blah, 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 blah. But I don't hear anybody saying, what do our people want to do in the first place? Because some people are not going to want to come back. I mean, you've said that, you said yourself, and I've seen it elsewhere, that, um, the majority of people at this point in time, even if they were offered to go back to work, are kind of saying, well, you know, I don't know whether I really want to do that, right? Yeah. Because of the risks involved. Right. Just just the risks. Right. And and as you've said, you know, we're not going to be, I don't think any of us are going to be comfortable with that until there's a, a working vaccine. So I am, in a, in a way, I'm surprised because, it, it strikes me as logical that you, you've got to start with your people. And inevitably, that means starting with HR systems, I would have thought. I don't know. But I guess what you're saying is that historically, this is the way you've seen it. Yeah. And you're not seeing any signs that it was going to be any different. Well, right? well define, define what you mean by HR systems, because, you know, I can see, uh, you know, collaborative tools and things like that uh, would be an area where I would see, you know, a lot of uh 
uh, chance uh, for for changes. And I think you know a lot of sentiment analysis amongst your uh, workforce, uh, knowledge sharing things. Those I could see you having some some uh, play right away and and be able to explain you know the business justification for you know spending dollars. I just uh, in the area of you know, do we need do we need a workflow now for our promotions or, or things like that? That's 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 the area that I'm seeing. Uh, uh, I suspect some some delays will be happening uh, over the over the okay. short to medium term. That if that, if that makes sense. Okay. And I will. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I will say this: I would not want to be in the commercial real estate business right now. Um, it's uh, oh as, God, you, man. as you as you say. I do think that uh, our world is going to change, and some people are. It's going to be. Uh, understood that there does not need to be as much uh, people in play in the same location all the time. Um, your point of definitely needing face-to-face uh, uh, -face interaction, um, there is no question that is still has to be part of the mix. But you know, if if you can start getting by with you know a smaller office space because uh, half your group is coming in on a regular basis, um, that that's another uh, option that, that's out there. Um, and you know, going digital uh, with your with your uh, systems definitely do do help with that. It, they, everything, but I, I'm kind of I guess I'm just biased here. I'm just assuming that uh, a lot of people are already cloud based as as the uh, that that can be uh, because it, it's already been a no brainer for so many years. Somebody I spoke with the other week said to me that um, part of the part of the issue around being in the office is. Is is around FOMO, and that you know, yeah. If you're yeah. not in the if you're not in the office, you're not sat at a desk. Then there's the fear of missing out. You know, you're not viewed as being productive, and yada yada yada. Yeah. It's like, well, if you measure people by you know the amount of time they spend with their backside on the seat, then you're really not measuring the right thing at all in the first place. Amen. Yeah. But I mean, do do you think that um, what we've seen happen will will change the culture to a point where corporate culture generally to a point where um, that may change, or is is that speculation as well? Yeah, I I don't know. It's a it's a good question. Um, I, I you know I, I'm curious on your point of view on that too. I the one thing that I that I get in my mind immediately is what what are the executives going to think? Um, are they going to be still expecting to see everybody every day because that you know just the sense of comfort that that provides and because it's one thing for me as a worker be to say you know what I can get more done um, but if I am if I'm just concerned because my boss likes to see me and um, I will say that if uh, I was up for promotion and uh, the person that's in every day uh, right next to that boss is uh, up for the same thing. I would feel like I was at a disadvantage uh, for sure mm -hmm. in that, in that scenario. So a, a lot of it would be uh, you know, if, if your leadership gets religion on this and says, you know what, we are seeing uh, the results we're seeing are so profound um, as far as like the productivity has not dropped at all, even though you guys aren't coming into the office and, you know, some of our top performers um, as measured by, you know, objective measurements, you know, putting those in to where people can say for, you know, whatever it is, customer satisfaction scores, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, projects delivered on time, those types of things. If they, if they, really can see that those things are, are being successful, then maybe that changes the, the leadership's um, 
uh, the leadership's uh, uh, perspective enough to where they will make it uh, vocally known that you know we, we we value just as much when you work from home. I don't know. I'm I'm really curious about this. I'm I'm very intrigued over the next two to three years what we find out. I'm,